drinking sparkling water. I can't. I can't. I don't like it. I don't like it when it hits my mouth. I don't like it. I won't do it. You don't like carbonation at all? Uh, just with the water. Like soda's fine, but there's something very different about the, the sparkling water, uh, carbonation in water that doesn't hit right. I can't do it. Okay. It's just a thing. Now you know about me. Uh, yeah. I, I it would mean, have been amazing know, whatever, if you did that entire speech. Whatever works for you, a, I guess. <laughs> it yeah. would have been amazing if you did that entire speech and then took a huge gulp of LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would have been that would have been pretty funny. incredible. Yeah. If I yeah, that would have been that would have been worth it for the bit. And welcome to a new Popsicle pop-up. This is an irregular series where the Popsicle team, or some of them, break down stories that we, for whatever reason, just couldn't resist talking about. Basically, it means that one or more of us is dying to talk about something new because we liked it that much. Today's Popsicle pop-up is about the new interview with the Vampire series on AMC. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can tell I'm excited to talk about it. I'm your host today, Lisa K. Weber. I am joined by two of my Popsicle crew. <laughs> First up, it's Kelly Sue Milano. Oh, are you excited to talk about all of these vampire oh, butts? Excited? <laughs> oh my word. Say all right. Bon. <laughs> nice touch. Nice touch. <laughs> All right. And with us as well is our producer and also vampire fan. Yeah. Philip Kelly, how I'm, are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I am uh especially after this last episode, genuinely excited to talk about this show. <sighs> Man. So like <sighs> let's get to it. I'll yeah. oh I'll I'll do the series credits real quick. So in honor of the creators of this amazing show that we're about to talk about, let's just list some names real quick. The series was created by Rollin Jones and is executive produced by Mark Johnson and Alan Taylor, who directed the first two episodes as well. Great job, Um, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'll just say we're like we're going to talk about it all. But like we're probably going to focus a lot on the last two episodes, which were written by Eleanor Burgess and Hannah Muscovich, respectively. Um, so now that we have honored the creators, to say nothing of our dearly departed Anne Rice. Oh yeah. Um, let's get to talking about this show. Um, I mean, <laughs> it being like a popsicle pop up, like it's it's our topics can be pretty loose. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we first were like, okay, let's definitely talk about this show after watching last week's episode that introduced us to Claudia. So I kind of figure like we're probably like really excited to talk about Claudia <laughs> because, um, wow, what, uh, it's, it's, I mean, the what, what, what can I say? It was just incredible. Like, and I like, you know, as a longtime fan of the book series, 
you know, I had all my trepidations about the aging up of Claudia when they cast her. Um, and all my, you know, all the usual book reader concerns of like, hey, they're changing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, like, yeah. just generally with this show, it's such a different animal from the books that I can really just take it as it is. And as it is, it's just so beautifully realized. Um, and so, but I, I want to go to you guys first. To, that was just my little preamble about like where I'm coming from um, as a lover of the books and also a lover of the show. But like the, but yeah, I want I want you guys to start on your impressions of Claudia and what, like also what was your relationship to the, to Claudia before this iteration of her? Mm. okay i'll go please please yeah go for it um (laughs) so i will say that i admittedly i have only read interview with a vampire i haven't read the entirety of the vampire chronicles which i'm going to amend um but i do remember in reading the book and then also in watching the movie um I was all, I mean, there's no way to not be struck by the tragedy of a five-year-old person being turned into a vampire and having to live eternity in the body of a child. Um, I think it worked really amazingly well in terms of where Claudia goes in the book, not really having memory of a human life because mm. she didn't, she only had five years and probably just one that she remembers that it has any conscious memory exactly so um and even so even like to a similar extent aging her up to 11 i mean obviously we know given Anne rice's history the power of that particular character's story being a young girl dying so young dying so young um so to see claudia as a teen I was like yeah this is going to be very interesting or yes because <laughs> she's lived a life mm-hmm. especially for that time period mm-hmm. you know being a teen is you're basically almost considered an adult right mm-hmm. um and then all of the you know the sexuality and the hormones that'll be coursing through your body forever. I mean, like, listen, you think it sucks to be stuck at five. Think about how much it sucks to be stuck in adolescence. Yeah. No. To be stuck in puberty. Just as puberty hits. Yeah. No. 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 God. So I was very excited. And this actress is killing it. (laughs) Unintended. (laughs) With with the wink included. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my thoughts, Phil. Um, I I have only read Queen of the Damned. I don't know why I've read that. So and not interesting the other that two that's books. the one. That I know. Read. I think I think <laughs> when yeah, that's it. I think when the movie Queen of the Damned came out, I was like that movie oh, couldn't have been okay. it. That couldn't have been it. So I read the book and I was like, oh, that wasn't really it. Uh, the book was much better. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I wanted to, you know, I was like, that can't have been, uh, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, I did. That's my, and of course I've seen an interview with the vampire, the film. So my mm-hmm. relationship with Claudia is Kirsten, a young Kirsten Dunst, who is uh, great, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I find this a remarkable 
telling of the character because I feel like this is the age when the toxicity of a bad like uh, parenthood parents above you and and that sort of a, abuse that's going on can really set who you are as a person can really like graph itself onto you uh in a way that is hard to shake maybe um mm -hmm. i think when it happens when it's when you're much younger it's a little more in the back of your head and and you're not as aware of it perhaps um but yeah this is like that age where you're becoming aware of what abuse is and and how it's going to stick with you so i'm i'm really like it, seeing her sort of play out that abuse and that's like how she knows how to deal with things has been really intriguing to watch um as opposed to watching a kid who just doesn't know what they're doing and and so yeah. they're you know what i yeah. mean it, it's a very different sort of uh mentality that they're coming into the show with that i'm i'm getting a lot out of uh, that's what yeah. i'm yeah yeah it's like the like and i'll just say like as a general show note it's like the levels <laughs> like the bezels to these levels it's uh -huh. like very wow. impressive on bezel <laughs> yeah yeah because it's like i mean how it's like you can't even just talk about one thing with one character no. it's like <laughs> no. like you're saying so much of yeah. like so much of what makes Claudia is her relationship to these other characters. Mm -hmm. And like the fact that she's coming in with an experience of abuse that she kind of like talks about from yeah. her aunt. Um, and then she comes into like a, basically an abusive home mm -hmm. um, where, you know, as much as like she, her heart is for Louis, like mm -hmm. her trauma matches Lestat's to a degree that they're yeah. like that they're much more similar um and I mean I say that like again having read the books I know what Lestat's trauma is <laughs> 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 but <laughs> um for people who I mean like and again like to to uh, like to kind of like throw it back to you guys is like you don't necessarily know exactly what Lestat's trauma is. Like, how is he reading to you? How is this kind of iteration of him reading to you in this show? Um, I don't think I can talk about Lestat in this show without acknowledging how happy I am that the he, that his romantic interest in Louis was happening from the jump. Yeah. Um, and that their relationship is without a doubt romantic. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, and I'm reference referencing this most recent episode <clears throat> where. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I know. You know, there's a very big explosion in this like sort of pseudo love triangle, yeah. which in and of itself is incredibly toxic yeah. <laughs> um but what struck me about it in terms of Lestat was there's a moment where he says it was always him and it was never you and I was like I don't believe you <laughs> I was like I think that that she actually hit a little harder for him than even he thought and that 
at for a while, the family dynamic was actually something that Lestat really, that was really nourishing to him, mm -hmm. which yeah. is what made that entire sequence really heartbreaking for every single person, which is a hell of a feat for these creators to show yeah. this multifaceted experience of heartbreak hitting these very different characters in highly specific ways. Yeah. I was blown away by that. Yeah. Um, but plugging into Lestat, that's what I felt for him. Like, oop, I think what you're saying is you played yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's hard to disagree with that at all uh you see the abusive nature that he has become comfortable with and covering up what's actually you know bugging him at his core mm -hmm. uh you know yeah. the, that's sort of like need to let something in but also the fear of having it there so the abusive tendency to push it away and and she nails it on the head when she calls him out on it too like she specifically says now uh, you know this is what your problem is and you louis you need to come with me I think that pisses him off even more. I think that's what sends oh, him yeah. on. That's what sends him on that tirade is that, mm -hmm. oh shit, I'm I'm seen. <laughs> like somebody actually yeah. how sees, dare yeah. you know me? <laughs> no, right? No me. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> how dare you see through this facade? Oh yeah. Bummer. bummer. Yeah. Um and uh uh you know those words where he's holding Louis in the in the air and he's like, just you know, say you don't love me. Oh. Like it's so like like that's what he wants to hear because like he's mm -hmm. somebody who can't imagine being loved mm -hmm. and it's it's because louis not going to say that because i think louis does love him mm -hmm. but also how can you stay with somebody that's like that how can you say that mm -hmm. you know what i mean it, it's god this this is this is the show is too real all of a sudden you know oh it, yeah it's, it's so <laughs> oh, fucking yeah. it's so fucking it went from being like this you know, we're kind of in the past, you know, all this is so, you know, there's racism. It's there's a period drama with vampires. Like, ooh, we can hold it over they're, here in a box. Yeah, they're dealing with homophobic <laughs> stuff. And yeah, they're they're kind of shitty to each other. And suddenly it's like, oh my God. Like, this yeah. is how I felt last, like in my last relationship. Yep. Like, fuck the, the show just saw me. Fuck you, show. I'm going to push you away. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, to quote our beloved co-host who is not present, Justin Peniston, were he here and feeling the way people, <laughs> he would say, it hit me where I live. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it did. Oh, Big time. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like the both of the like these past two episodes in particular it was like the ending moments of both of these episodes like claudia's kind of final moments in episode four where she's burning herself and like coming to the realization of just not just like how fucked up her own situation is but like how fucked up like existence is you know she's like having a full-on existential crisis by the end uh -huh. of that um and it's so well illustrated um <clears throat> what you said existential and it made me think of my favorite line in the show thus far oh which is, is dan malloy calling louis and lestat whiny existential queens <laughs> <laughs> okay I and like, i okay nailed it <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> so that's a great transition, by the way. <laughs> and like, like, because I'm like, okay, who do we talk about next, Louie or Daniel? And I don't, I, I'm like, we can go wherever the conversation takes us. We'll get to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk. Let's talk next about Louis then. Louis, okay, yeah, yeah. The third part of this household, yeah, um, and really the heart of it all, because it's like the thing about Interview with a Vampire is it's like it, of the books, it's like it deals with Louis the more like more than any of the other books do, right? Um, and so, and I like the way he um the the way they dealt with the difference mm -hmm. um between the two interviews that he's giving or that like that he gave in the past and that he's giving now and like all the all that daniel said about like how memories like you know how time changes memory um but then is also like mad at Louie, like trying to like do some kind of gotcha, like Jones gotcha type journalism. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like Louie and like the, you know, he's being the classic unreliable narrator, oh. which is true in the books as well. Like once we get past interview with a vampire, it becomes very clear that the real story is very different than the interview that he gave in the original book. Right. And so I really liked how they kind of addressed that in the show. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it's like Louis. <laughs> Cause let's go into this, this idea that it's like, he's presenting himself in a certain way in, you know, this the kind of present times with Daniel um but also presenting himself to Daniel in the past in a certain way so like mm -hmm. how how accurate do you think he's really being because it keeps coming up in the interview scenes that he's not being very forthcoming he's being mm -hmm. very like choosy about what he wants to include he really wants to control this narrative so like what do you think he's really wanting here? I, Anyone? I, th I, think, <laughs> I think he's wanting to be okay with the trauma that he's experienced and the trauma he's also given out. Mm. I, I think he's struggling with how to reconcile with it. Because mm. uh, I think both things can be true. I think that first interview can definitely be true and how he feels about it now in this present interview that we're experiencing can also be true i think they both have elements of truth in it and they both have elements of trying to like box away or corner stuff that you feel you've gotten over or that you feel is not pertinent to who you are anymore mm -hmm. and that's not true like none of that's true but i think that's how as people we kind of deal with like the shitty stuff that's happened to us and it's it's very and for somebody who's lived hundreds of years every hundred years you have to go through something that's going to make you reevaluate what you thought you experienced 
you know, 500 years ago. And mm-hmm. imagine, ha- like, <laughs> imagine reliving something like that every hundred years and not just, you know, for a couple times over, you know, uh, in a real way over, you know, 80 decades or whatever, however long we get. Um, yeah. I, what he's doing is far more human than vampire, uh, which is uh, re- really interesting. And, and Daniel is, I, I love how Daniel's, well, we'll get to Daniel. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, there was some, there was a moment in this episode where the, the sister character, um, what's her name? Uh, Grace. Grace. Grace, thank you. Uh, where Grace was like, this isn't Louie. This isn't the Louie mm-hmm. I grew up with. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, we, we see how that Louie has changed and what that Louie is living with. And I, I have seen people react like that to me when I've gone through different stages of my life. They're like, I don't like, yeah, that's because I'm being affected by something that you don't see. That's, mm-hmm. that's why I'm not, I don't look like the person you once knew. I, it doesn't make me a different person. It doesn't make me scary or whatever. It's just, uh, and whether that speaks to grace as a character or whether that, ex- that speaks to the time period that they're in, or just that sort of understanding didn't exist. It was just a really, meaningful thing uh on a thematic sense in what's what's happening to louis and what he's going through and experiencing it it said more to me about louis than maybe what he's saying about himself uh in this interview that i found really intriguing yeah Yeah. and that's like a key part of his character is that he he categorically does not want to separate himself from humanity Mm -hmm. like that's why it's like you know, there's this constant pull from Lestat being like, you need to like, you need to like basically see them as food, see them as animals, see them not as like you aren't human and you need to start seeing them, seeing humans as less than, you know, mm-hmm. and um, Louis never does that. He never lets go of his mm-hmm. humanity. So, yeah. Yeah. And I always think it's interesting because they're two sides of the same coin, right? One vampire that's like, you're, you need to be above humanity. And the other one that's like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be torn away from it. And it's like, regardless, like, how's it working out for you both? (laughs) Exactly. Like Listock can say like, oh, you need to separate yourselves from them. And it's like, okay, friend. (laughs) It's just making you as like, we don't experience the growth in Listock that we experience with Louis as a result of wanting to stay close to his humanity. Mm. It's like the calls coming from inside the house, no matter what <laughs> you're doing. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. um, which is why I love this this peek into. I love this look at Louis. I love the look at the transformation of his relationship with Dan Malloy. Obviously, like it didn't end great in the '70s, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Dan's pretty pissed about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but I really loved. I loved the changes that they made. I'm so glad that it wasn't a plantation story. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm happy that it was set in the time period that it's set in. Like so many of the ways that they changed it, the changes were really perfect. Um, They were just perfect changes to illuminate similar things. Absolutely. Um, 
and the death of the brother was like, even though you know that's coming, it was still Oof. highly traumatic. Oh God, um, yeah. The, all of that character, like the amount of characterization and character development they were able to do in such a short amount of time is um, incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like truly amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I love that we got to see so much of Louis' family dynamics. Like all of that made it just, it, it, it's a buy-in every single scene. You're just constantly a yes to what he's going through. Oh, yeah. Experiencing. Yeah. Um, but you also, you know, we get to experience the same stubbornness and the same sort of like oddly placed self-righteousness of Louis, um, which I'm just mm -hmm. like, I don't know how y'all are doing it, but man, it's working. It's yeah. really beautiful. Oh, yeah. And the experiences, of course, with him. Um, I mean, it's seeing him, seeing Daniel Malloy play a, a bigger part in the mm -hmm. story, mm -hmm. but also to be so penetrative mm -hmm. and like, is it really how that happened? Yeah. And this is that. like, <laughs> like, I mean, to just kind of go off on like, like there are so many changes from the source yeah. material but it's like all of the foundations are intact you know and so yeah. they all work like all the changes work and there's um like from the very first scene of the very first episode when I saw that um Eric Bogosian was going to be playing Daniel Malloy I was like oh yeah. yes perfect because like exactly what you're saying about the fact that he can like he's got I mean first of all he just has the wisdom of age yeah. even through all of his fuck-ups that you yeah. know are intimated throughout the interview right um that you know he's got this wisdom and then he's he's got this disease mm -hmm. that you know there's no cure for and so he's he's looking over the edge you know mm -hmm. he's looking over the cliff and so he's he he doesn't have anything to lose by just poking Louis at face. Louis, like yeah. poking yeah. at this like vampire. Yeah. And so the fact that he's able to do that and really like fucking get in there, literally um, slap him. My oh. God, that was yeah, amazing. It was amazing. Slap him. Like, that fucking, was so fucking great. Louis deserved it too. I was like, yeah, fuck he you, really Louis. fucking did. Fuck you. Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> I and, mean, and, to and, say nothing of that whole sequence where yeah. it's like, we need to talk about what happened in this moment with Claudia. Yeah. And you can't control the narrative here. Yeah. Like, yeah. but it's like, you know, you, this is either totally forthcoming or it's all bullshit. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So this no, version no. of Daniel, I am so obsessed with. And, and the casting is so perfect because you can see Eric Bogosian as a young man being exactly mm -hmm. the interviewer that we hear in the tapes as oh, was totally. or as was described in the interview they had in the 70s. You're like, oh, that totally is Eric Bogosian in the 70s. Like, yeah. it's, it's like perfect. Like, you know, it's yeah. such a perfect stunt casting almost. Uh, or well, not stunt yeah, casting, yeah. but typecasting. So type, type casting. Genius to open the show with an ad for his master class. <laughs> yes, so wonderful. <laughs> so wonderful. Incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. I was yeah. like, and we're off. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. 
for real. Amazing. So classic. Amazing. It was one of those things where it was like from the very first scene, I was like, ah, oh, I'm in good hands. Yeah. I'm in good hands. You know, <laughs> like I I I'm on board. I'm trusting wherever this is going, you know. 100 percent Um, and yes, the casting is outstanding. Yeah. Across the mm-hmm. board. Across the board. Um, Jesus, yeah. Obviously, Jacob Anderson. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal choice. Yeah. Beautiful incredibly beautiful performance two performances really mm-hmm. yeah um and sam reed i mean <laughs> what do you like even, what is what, what like, can you even say about it what can we even say about it it's fucking perfect it's perfect is it on can par i say with, <laughs> is it on par with mads mickles hannibal lecter i'm not gonna say mm. that it's not <laughs> it's uh it's up there it's up there he is fucking committed. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Yeah. He is committed to an accent. He mm-hmm. is committed yes, to an thank aesthetic. You. Yes. He I... is committed to bitchiness, my favorite quality <laughs> in the stuff. Of course. I mean, that's why we're here. That's yeah. why we're here. <laughs> we want Lestat's bitchiness. We want his cruelty. Mm-hmm. Totally. And oh man. He delivers it so fucking well. Oh my god! And I, we want him to be fucking French. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Oh uh, my god. When when he said in this last episode, basically insinuated that he could have been beating him this whole time. Like mm-hmm. when he said that, and I've been holding back. I could have been like physically. I was like, you felt every single word. Just like mm-hmm. that insidiousness was. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And he's so he's doing so good. Ugh. I'd say he's doing the Lord's work, but he's a goddamn devil in this. He's... Oh man! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His Whew. whole like every Lestat comes with that's those are a lot of notes to play, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it, I think we saw this in in the movie where it was like, good on you, Tom Cruise. Of course, you did what was probably asked yeah. of you at the time in that movie yeah well and no he, he and t- he to be great. fair to tom cruise he did great he mm-hmm. he absolutely oh, understood the assignment totally understood the assignment yeah. and was fantastic yeah. yeah this feels more like what she was talking about yes because it's the softness the manipulativeness yeah. yes but also so much vulnerability borderline neediness oh oh yeah i think we passed the border yeah yeah um i because what i I again what i appreciate is that it's taking it's taking the entire vampire chronicles into account yes in this iteration where it's Uh like like i said interview with a vampire isn't exactly like the real story right and so it presents this much more cartoonish version of lestat Mm -hmm. um and so I like that it's like, no, we're taking from the full understanding of the character yeah. to present him here in this way. Yes. Um, that makes him, despite the cruelty and like the kind of shocking cruelty that he has, mm-hmm. it's, there's a, there is a vulnerability behind it you, that yeah. you can sense. Yeah. You don't know exactly what it is. Like He's you. less of a predator and more of a mess. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah, I like and that. I like accurate. That. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Very accurate. I and when you're when you're playing a mess, when you're directing a mess, when you're writing a mess, 
the the slightest misstep and it falls apart so uh-huh. they are yeah they are pulling this off it, it like this is like the balancing acts of this it's year incredible. right here it's amazing mm-hmm. yeah um yeah yeah all right well i mean we kind of like we covered all of like the main bases yep. but are there any kind of like last notes you want to you want to pop in this pop-up I, I i do like that they're they're really making distinct the sort of toxic behavior of lestat from like the racism and homophobic thoughts i like mm-hmm. that they're they're really showing a real clear distinction with all that stuff that yeah. that you can be not those things and still be like a toxic mess yeah you know what i mean they're, they're, it's just really nice storytelling up and down yeah, yeah. again yeah perfect balancing yeah totally agree cannot wait for more oh my god (laughs) oh and it's coming it's coming we may have to talk again yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well with that i think that's gonna wrap up this pop-up um and you know yeah we'll probably be back to talk about it some more yeah um (laughs) but Thank you so much for joining us, dear listeners. Um, If you enjoyed this conversation, check out our expanding catalog of conversations and know that later this fall, we'll be diving deep into David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks with our podcast called That Gummy Like, plus more pop-ups whenever we feel like it. The best thing you can do is follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social media or wherever you get your podcasts or join our newsletter at PopsiclePod.com. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Bye. This has been a Popsicle podcast production. <laughs> Yay. Yay. That was so I I needed to talk about that episode. Yeah, after I've been it it's been building and building the been need able to, to talk about this yeah, show. Oh my yeah. I wouldn't have been able to go another week, honestly. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we let some of it out. Yes. 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 It's a good start. Yeah, it's a very good very start. Very good start. <laughs>